Hello and welcome to the New York Farm Bureau's Weekly News Bite, bringing you the latest news from the New York State agriculture world. If an apple a day keeps the doctor away, we have a lot of protection in New York State. Hi, I'm Steve Ammerman, Director of Communications for New York Farm Bureau. Apple season is upon us across New York. There are about 600 orchards in the state, and according to our partners at the New York Apple Association, we grow about 30 million bushels a year, which is about 1.2 billion pounds of apples every year. About half of those are sold ready to eat right off the tree, with the other half making their way into things like cider, applesauce, and hard cider. To get a feel of how apple season is going in New York, we talk with Lori Tenai. She and her family run Indian Ladder Farms in Altamont, just outside of Albany. It's a family farm that has certainly changed a lot through the years. Here's Lori. Lori, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. India Ladder, if you live in the Capital Region, you're probably familiar with India Ladder Farms. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your farm and its long history. Okay. Well, our farm was started in 1916 by my great-grandfather, Peter G. Tenike. And he was, you know, a businessman, but he was very interested in agriculture. He purchased several farms out here in the Altamont, Lauriesville area and pieced them together to make a single farm that he named Indian Ladder Farms after the Indian Ladder Trail in John Boyd Thatcher State Park, which is right above our farm along the base of the Helderberg Escarpment. So that's how we got started. And we were a dairy farm. He was very into genetics and Guernsey cattle. And we produced milk, which was delivered, you know, to the doorstep in Albany. And we also had orchards and many other experiments of his. He loved raising Rhode Island red chickens and, you know, a whole, whole bunch of agricultural activities going on while he was also a politician and, you know, a businessman. And so, um, the farm had a transition right at the end of his life. Our dairy barn burned, as frequently happens with hay and spontaneous combustion. Fortunately, all the cows were saved. However, my grandfather then, who was running the show, decided to transition out of dairy and plant more orchards, expand the orchards. And there was quite a considerable amount of time that we were raising beef cattle here during that transition period. And then it was my father in the 50s and 60s started selling apples directly to the public from the porch in front of the packing building, which is where our farm market is today. So he basically began the direct-to-consumer sales that we've been relying on ever since. So how big is your orchard and, and how many varieties of apples? If you can tell that you have. Now it's, it's a lot. The farm itself is 325 acres. However, that being said, there's about 65 acres of orchard. A lot of the land we have is in wetlands and it is in woods. And then we have field crops and berries, raspberries, blueberries, black raspberries, and other things that we grow. But the orchard is approximately 65 acres. It's been shrinking, actually, as we have transitioned to the trellis orchard, which take up a lot less space, but it's a higher yield. Let's talk a little bit about the trellis orchards. Your family has always been interested in research, working with Cornell on, on, on different varieties of apples that are coming about, trying to find new ways to do things. How has growing an apple changed over the past you know, 20, 30, 40 years, if you will? 
Well, I guess the most noticeable thing in terms of, you know, people coming to the farm and looking around is, you know, the size of the trees has decreased dramatically. We still have one old orchard of the old standard trees that we use for pick your own in the end of September. And we keep some of the old orchard going because it's just very attractive and people like to have weddings out there and so on. But for the most part, you know, we we had begun years and years ago to transition to semi-dwarf and dwarf apple trees. And now we have the trellised trees. The thinking behind that is to improve the efficiency of the orchard so that you just get more bushels per acre because you are cultivating all this giant growth of the tree that isn't necessarily producing apples. So a lot of the resources, the fertilizers, any pesticide applications, all those things go down, plus the labor to do the harvest and the pruning. What's a trellis tree look like? Well, it's kind of a little bit like a grape vine, you know, like a and a winery, like a vineyard, except that it still is a tree. It is not a vine. So it has this sort of slender trunk of the tree and the branches. But instead of being sort of three dimensional, you know, round, it's sort of two dimensional. And the branches just grow straight out from the trunk and they're trained to grow along wires that that help support them. And so... That way, there's more apples per branch, and they can be supported by the trellis system itself. And the apples can get more sun and the different applications of pesticides or whatever that we do need to spray can be sprayed in much smaller amounts because they will get directly into the foliage of the tree and it's much more efficient. How has the apple season been this year? Well, it's <laughs> it's been kind of a, a wild season. I mean, it was extraordinarily hot and dry, and I know all the farmers complaining about it. And so where we were, too, there was a lot of concern about the size of the fruit. Our bigger trees are able to, with a deep root system, able to reach water. Um, a lot of the smaller trees, we do have irrigation. However, your reliance on irrigation is directly related to the rainfall because you have to resupply those water sources. So we were... A little bit concerned. However, we've gotten a lot of rain and it's still fairly early in apple season. We have been picking for several weeks, but these are all the early varieties. The main varieties are just coming on deck now. And so they're definitely benefiting from all the rainfall. One good thing is, you know, in years past, we've had too much rainfall during the growing season. And in that case, the apples really get quite large, but the flavor is not there. They're sort of bloated, you know, if you will. So one advantage of not having a lot of rain is the apples may be smaller, but the flavor is is really pronounced. So it's sort of a double-edged sword. But now that we're getting rain, I think we're going to fall right in a happy place right in between. What are some of the, the popular varieties that people enjoy? Well, you know, Honeycrisp has continued to be a very popular apple. Uh, we had that in the Pick Your Own last weekend. We're still picking that now. We will be bringing in new varieties, you know, as they ripen. One that's really been growing a lot for us in popularity over the last couple of years is the Snapdragon, which is another new variety. And it's a, it's a great variety because it's got a great flavor. It's very crisp and it's a nice solid red color. So it just looks great and it keeps really well and it keeps right through November, December. So it's also a great apple for fruit baskets you know, for centerpieces for the holidays because it's just a, a bright red happy apple and it stays sweet and crunchy right through. Who doesn't love that? Yeah, <laughs> right? 
I will say though, you don't just grow apples. I mean, you alluded to berries and a few other things, mm-hmm. but your farm has diversified over the years as well. You do more with apples, whether it's hard cider, you now grow pops. Talk about the diversification that your family's taken on. Yeah, well, as thrift marketers, we have definitely diversified a lot over the years. And it seems like the pace is even just picking up in terms of diversification. You just can't seem to rely on any one thing to get you through every year. We primarily direct market. You know, I guess one of the first diversifications was to start making cider. You know, value added is the baseline for a lot of what we do. And then one of the big diversifications historically would have been my father's introduction of the cider donuts to what we offer. That has been, you know, just created a a huge kind of monster to feed (laughs) and make these donuts. And it's very, very profitable for the farm, but it's also very challenging. There's a, a lot of equipment and expenses and, you know, the staffing is really critical and being able to expand production to accommodate the peak in the fall the investment necessary to do that. That's sort of a fence that we've been straddling for a long time. But we also have a gift shop and we have a lot of different local foods from other farms and processors for sale. We do a lot of private events for people who hold weddings or family reunions on the farm. Restaurant food service has been a growth area for us. And with about six years ago, my husband started the Indian Ladder Farm Cidery and Brewery, which is basically taking cider from Indian Ladder Farms and fermenting it and making the hard cider. And then we also grow hops and use other fruits that we grow as well as some botanical to make flavored beers and ciders as well. And with that on site comes, you know, the whole thing where people really, we always had a, a nice little cafe, but people want to enjoy meals while they're having alcoholic beverages. And so in order to fill that niche, we've been working very hard over the last few years to expand our restaurant service. We have a farm to table theme and it's extraordinarily challenging. Labor costs are really high. It's really hard to find staff. The complexity of the restaurant business is, you know, mind boggling and something that I'm still working on getting my head around. Yeah, it's by something your grandfather never I envisioned on the farm that there would also be a restaurant and everything else. I know. Let me ask you, though, you know, you also change in how you grow and produce in, in the food that you produce. And you're always looking for ways to do things better, be more sustainable. And you're entering into a new venture uh, on that front as well. Can you talk about that? Well, you're referring to the eco-certification of our farm. And actually, it's not as new a venture as it would seem. We're actually one of the founding members of the group of eco-apple growers in the Northeast. It's been going on for a few decades. It actually started in the 80s during the Alar scare and a way to do better communication with the public about what types of pesticides are used on crops and also to ramp up and escalate the, the safety practices, environmental and human health safety in apple farming. It's very difficult to grow apples organically in the Northeast. That being said, there's a lot of organic chemicals that you you can use on a certified organic farm that aren't necessarily the best choice for the environment either. So the eco-certification is a a third-party approved certification that we participate in where we meet a certain criteria that's been set up by the managing organization that's called Red Tomato in partnership with the IPM Institute. And it's really an enhanced IPM practice that we have here. 
that takes it several steps further in order to improve the sustainability, reduce the use of pesticides, reduce the level of toxicity of the pesticides that are used, and use pesticides only in a species-specific, very targeted manner. It's been referred to in the past as eco-apple. We've been an eco-apple grower. This year, they have reformatted their program, and it is now an eco-certification, which is a little bit more clarity to it. We are audited once every three years in person. We just had our audit a few weeks ago, and so our eco-certification has been renewed along with several other farms in the Northeast. So the eco-certification people will be coming to the farm on Friday, and they'll be announcing the renewal of our certification, as well as some of the other participating farms. We are the only farm in the greater capital region that is eco-certified. I believe Champlain Orchards is. I think they're in Vermont or on the border. Anyway, so it, it is fairly unique for us in this region. And you know, when people do ask, why are Indian Ladder Farms apples so good? And I have to say, I think it is the practices that are, you know, brought to us through the eco-certification program, plus the, the unique location that we're in, the glacial soils here and the escarpment right above us that does protect us from many weather events and creates a microclimate here. Yeah, it's an incredible location and it's nothing else just for the sheer beauty of, of where your farm is. <laughs> we're very lucky. <laughs> yes, you are. That's a perk of your job is, is working with that view every day. Well. We, we do appreciate you taking the time to, to talk about all the exciting things that are happening in your farm, but also just New York apple industry in general. People don't realize how important our orchards are, not just to our local food system, but just to the overall economy of New York State. And it has to have a sense of pride for you and your family that you're a part of that network of, of New York orchards. It definitely does. One of the things about us in New York is that we're not all on top of each other. We're spread out, you know? You spend a lot of time in your own little bubble doing everything that you can do to, you know, succeed and grow the crop and serve well the customers. But we are part of, of a group of growers, and it's definitely something to be proud of. We wish Indian Ladder and all of the orchards across New York a great harvest season. And to find an apple-picking spot near you, just head to the New York Apple Association's website at applesfromny.com. Com. That will do it for this edition of New York Farm Bureau's News Bites podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope you give us a positive review wherever you listen to it today. And also thanks to Seth Moser-Katz for editing today's podcast. Have a great week. As always, remember to thank a farmer for all that they do.